benders alike. Welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatarverse. I'm Janet Varney. And I'm Dante Bosco. And today we're talking about the second to the last episode of Book One, The Siege of the North, Part One. We're so close to the season finale, Varney. I know. It's happening. I can't believe it. We've had... Such a journey. Listen, I don't want to compare our journey on this podcast to the journey of Team Avatar or the journey of Zuko and Iroh because that's it's not getting heavy to though. them. It's getting heavy <laughs> in this episode. It's getting it super cinematic in this, in this. Ever since we got into the Northern Water Tribe and how beautiful and picturesque and fascinating and wonderful the design of that is, along with just the drama of Sokka and Yue and what Katara has to go through just to learn how to waterbend. Right. I mean, it has been a wild ride just for one episode prior to this. I feel like we've gone on a journey. I know. And it's so beautiful. Watching the episode again, it's reminded me how beautiful the Northern Water Tribe is compared to that Southern. Oh boy, here we go. That here Southern, go. I don't know what you want to call it down there. The scrappy, scrappy sweet, area. Yeah, tiny. Uh, compared to Water Tribe Wakanda. It's very, <laughs> it's very grand. That's fair. Water Tribe Wakanda up there. And Sokka feels like a peasant walking around that place. Well, it is very, very fancy. And when you have a crush on someone like Yue, you are setting yourself up because she is extremely beautiful. Fashion icon. Well, we are very excited to be joined to talk about the Siege of the North Part 1 by our buddy, very wonderful, very funny voice actor, director extraordinaire, whom you might know as the character All Might from My Hero Academia or Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z. Please welcome, I don't know why I'm acting like this is a fighting ring, Christopher Sabbath. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, my jokes are uh-huh. always good. Be prepared for nothing but gold nuggets today. I know you get the chance to improvise a lot of jokes in My Hero Academia and Dragon Oh, Ball yeah. Z. Anime acting is known for its like our ability to really improvise in the booth <laughs> because there's just you have so much freedom, you know. That's freedom right. on those those lip flaps, huh? Yeah, you don't even have to worry about that. They just say say whatever, we'll change wow, it. Really? Actually, no, they I don't. Guess they don't. this they don't is surprising. Anything. Welcome to the podcast. First of all, I love saying Sabbath because it just you sound like a rock star. It's like saying Sabbath, like Black Sabbath, like what's yeah. up, Sabbath? What's up? Yeah. Everyone then, wants to say. Uh, like, it's funny. No one actually pronounces it. Sabbath, though. Like, you guys are the only ones who get it right. Everyone says Sabbat. I've heard no Sabbat. H. Sabbat yeah. sounds crazy. It's actually good, though, because that's an easy way for me to know if you actually know me. Ooh. So if anyone asks for, is Christopher Sabbat here? I, I yeah. know instantly that we have not met yet. So and it's good. The wonderful thing also, Sabbat, is, the, you know, you're on our podcast, but you are the actual person that got me into podcasting, just listening to podcasts years and years ago at one of, I don't even remember what con it was now. We're sitting at a dinner table after the con and we're talking about podcasts. I don't know if you remember this. That was a great dinner, by the way. Extremely who memorable. Who were we with? It was me, you, and someone else. I'm trying to remember who it was, actually. Uh, did you just it, say extremely it... memorable dinner and then you cannot, neither of you can say who was there? <laughs> well, when me and Sabbath were looking into each other's eyes, we don't know, you know no one else yeah, in the we room, were, they we all were connected. That's what I took away from that dinner. I'm like, I know Dante Bosco now. But I actually have to give credit where credit's due. What's funny is that Janet had recently (laughs) (laughs) turned me on to podcasts because we were both listening very aggressively to the Serial podcast at that point. And that's what you sent me. That's what you literally texted me at the table, like, give a listen to this. Yeah. It was so good. 
And so we're full circle here. That's right. This does bring everything full circle because here we are celebrating our triple love of podcasts together as we talk about the Avatar almost book one season finale. So let's get into just kind of a quick overview of what is happening in this episode. I mean, listen, we know that the Fire Nation is getting ready to attack the Northern Water Tribe when we leave off our last episode, The Watermanning Master. And we know that is the tribe going to be prepared for this kind of a siege? We're not totally sure yet. We know that Sokka has what seems to be a returned crush with Princess Yue, but there's something mysterious going on there that we don't necessarily know the answer to yet. And we know that Katara has been granted permission to learn to be a waterbender, despite the fact that initially we have found out that women aren't supposed to learn how to fight. They can learn how to heal, but they're not supposed to learn how to fight with their waterbending powers. And Katara proves that that is an old custom that needs to be retired, frankly. So in this episode, we see a lot of this stuff continue to play out. As we know, it's only part one, so it doesn't even resolve in this episode. It takes us all the way to the season finale. And in this episode, we also have to see Zuko kind of going out on his own, going rogue, trying to stay incognito, trying to track down. He has a plan, Barney. He's got a plan. He's coming up with the plan as we go. We don't know exactly. Yeah, He doesn't know the plan. (laughs) That's almost more impressive, though, right? When you have to improvise and plan on the on the go. That's the kind of guy Zuko is. He's on the fly, off the cuff. I'm going to do some major things. Solo dolo. Solo dolo. And then we also see that Aang has this opportunity to go into the spirit world to hopefully enlist the help of the spirits in this fight with the Fire Nation. He makes it into the spirit world, but then something happens to his body. So that's a little bit scary. We learn a little bit more about where the Water Tribe gets its power from. Our strength comes from the spirit of the moon. Our life comes from the spirit of the ocean. They work together to keep balance. And so we're going to jump in, and this is big stuff. And one of the other takeaways for me was this idea of Aang feeling just totally overwhelmed. Like, I'm just one child. I'm a kid. Right. Right. I love this parts of, like, movies and stories where all of a sudden they're working themselves up to, like, really save the world. And hopefully maybe we'll win. Maybe. You know, Dante, why don't you start us off? Where are we when we come into this episode? Let's go. Okay, so we start. Katara's just finishing up whipping another waterbending student's butt, which is great because the episode just before she was getting a lot of strife for being a woman waterbender, and mm-hmm. sudden she's top of the class, even better than Aang at waterbending. Yeah. Which is amazing. And their teacher has clearly come around to the idea that Katara's great. Meanwhile, Aang's version of being a great waterbender is turning himself into a snowman. Meanwhile, Sokka and Yue are taking a walk together, but Yue feels it's wrong because she's engaged. She got that that engagement necklace around her neck. Sokka, eager to cheer up, takes her to meet Appa. What a move! Sokka's a ladies' man. He knows. It's like that's like people who buy a cute dog and then take it to walk in the park because they're single and they think that's gonna find them love. And sometimes it does. Not only that, it's like having a cute dog who's also a a convertible sports car that can (laughs) drive. It's like all of that in one. It's like, look at this cute animal. Guess what? We can jump in it top down, and I'm going to take you on a hot air balloon ride. You're absolutely right. I cannot believe I have not heretofore thought of Appa as a sports car, but you're absolutely right. Seeing Aang, you know, spinning snow and making himself into a snowman, it really emphasizes, like, oh, he's in kid mode. He's still just, like, making cute little snowman and trying to make people laugh. Like, oh, no. He's doing that. Meanwhile... Sokka and Yue up in the clouds in their plush little 
convertible airplane <laughs> oppa they're getting in the mood they get, they're caught in a moment they actually almost kiss which i was like i actually thought they were gonna kiss yeah but they stopped themselves just in time to realize it's starting to rain soot hey look what's happening oh no which actually I thought was very interesting because Avatar touches a lot of levels. Now they're touching a little bit on pollution and all this kind of stuff with the ships and all this stuff coming in. Like, and like, that's not good. We're like, no, this is horrible. D dark snow's gr horrible. Yeah. We've seen that before too, right? I mean, didn't we see that in the first episode? Like when, when we first see the Fire Nation approaching the Southern Water Tribe, that, yeah, same thing where we know exactly what this means. No sneak attacks sign. for the Fire Nation. No, we ain't, no we ain't sneaky. You, you know, we're letting y'all know we're coming and we're coming in. Yeah. Hot. Yeah. Hot. You're right. It's like this creepiest type of foreshadowing, though. Like, it, that's like actual physical foreshadowing. You're so dark that ashes precede you. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's true. And I don't want to get past that part real quick, but can we at least discuss for a second, like, this weird friend zone thing that's happening between Sokka and Princess Yue for just a moment. Yeah. Is there any way of knowing how long they were actually, like, sort of dating or meeting in a place? 18 minutes. They actually <laughs> known each other for 18 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Young love. Young yeah. love, Sad, but young love moves fast. Yeah. Jump on that train. Probably not that long, or I feel like Sokka would have pulled out the Appa stops. He probably would have done it sooner. So maybe it hasn't been that long. I will say for her to go, like, I'm engaged... And then he's like, doesn't even think to go, oh, sure. What's his name? I've met everyone here in None town, right? Like, None of that's happening. Doesn't There's care. no Instagram there. He's like, I didn't see your gram. I didn't see if you posted a picture <laughs> with any other guy. I don't know who's who you're following, who's following you. I don't know. I feel like that falls into two distinct categories of how we humans behave. I don't want to speak for all humans, but from my experience in Western culture, that is, there are two ways you can behave when you find out someone has a significant other. You can jealously ask and try to find out all the information about that person and you, you sort of become obsessive about it or you can go don't tell me anything i'm not going to ask the less real it is the less i actually have to deal with it and, and acknowledge mm, that it's happening mm. so the only exception to that is ua is essentially a celebrity in her world she's the princess yeah. there's there's magazines of the couple. They're like the hot couple while around. Everyone knows who she's engaged to. You know what I'm saying? She's like, it's an arranged marriage, though. He can still kind of think to himself, like, oh, she, if she, she may have no feelings for him if it's just an no. arranged marriage. But, I mean, they're a celebrity in the Northern Water Tribe. He can ask yeah. anybody on the street, like, hey, who, what's going on with Beyonce? Oh, point. He, she's married to Jay-Z. Uh oh Yeah. Everyone knows. Everybody but you knows. Well, he sure certainly was shocked when he gets in his little training meeting, Lady. which was I know. That's he wasn't true. looking out. That's a very good point. So now all that sits coming down, right? And then it gets ominous, like you said, Sabbath. Sokka's like, I know this. And, uh, and Katara knows it at another place. And they're like, there's going to be a lot of ships. Which is crazy because, I, like I said, the Fire Nation's coming in hot and super arrogant to go infiltrate a water-bending unit in the ocean on ships. Like, are they crazy? Like, yeah. I, I'm thinking, that's not the best strategy. They're, yeah, they, you got the arrogance of, of my people. And uh, please, especially General, I'm sorry, Admiral Zhao. Admiral, Admiral Zhao Admiral is He's still a jerk. over the top cocky. And they're right. There are a ton of ships, including the one carrying Zhao and Iroh, who has recovered his official real title. He's been called General Iroh in the past, but certainly he was not acting as a general. This is like acting General Iroh. Iroh was offered that position last episode, and he accepted it, much to 
many of our surprise. And we know Zuko to be off in disguise hiding somewhere. That's what, where we were in the last episode with those guys. And, and Zhao, despite everything you just said, Bosco, is feeling real great about the impending attack. He's saying he's right. going to go down in history for destroying the Northern Water Tribe. And Iroh does issue that warning, right? It's a reference we've heard before to the notorious failed siege at Ba Sing Se. Still don't find out much more about that, though. And then Iroh heads into the ship, and he does rendezvous with the disguised Zuko to let him know, yeah, we're getting close. And Iroh wants to know, you know, do, do you have a plan? Zuko's working on it. We'll be landing soon. Do you have a plan? I'm working on it, Uncle. So we have the rendezvous. We now know that apparently Zuko does have something planned. We don't know what it is yet. He's keeping it from all of us, including Iroh. Over inside the Northern Water Tribe, Sokka is taking Yue to safety, but... For some reason, even though this is about her getting to a place safely, she still stops him and says she can't ever see him again. What's wrong? We have to go! No, Sokka, wait. I can't see you anymore. Not at all. What? We're just friends. I wish we could just be friends, but I like you too much, and it's too confusing to be around you. I'm marrying someone else. You don't love him, do you? You don't even seem to like him. But I do love my people. You're not marrying them. You don't understand. I have duties to my father, to my tribe. I have to do this. Goodbye. And I get it. He's very magnetic. She's trying to do the right thing. And from there, we see that the chief has brought everyone inside, and he's just getting into it about what's happening. He even says, The day we have feared for so long has arrived. The Fire Nation is on our doorstep. It is with great sadness I call my family here before me, knowing well that some of these faces are about to vanish from our tribe. But they will never vanish from our hearts. And he's saying this as the show is popping off different flashes over different people's faces, including Princess Yue. So I guess I have to say, I hope that doesn't mean what it could mean, but I know it might mean what it could mean. (laughs) Heavy. This show got heavy, (laughs) boy. Sabat, tell us more about what's going on with this chief's speech. I think at that point the chief calls upon the spirit of the ocean, then the spirit of the moon, and asks for volunteers to help on the dangerous mission. It's the very foreboding, you may not come back from this kind of mission. And then surprisingly, Sokka's like, yo, he's the first one to offer himself up. He's like, I'm in. And then Yue looks over and I'm like, ooh. And he's like, yeah, I'm in. Uh, exactly. That was like the, but like. You got to. That's the second coolest thing you can do you in front to. of a girl that you like besides just happen to have been playing the piano when she walks in. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see you there. I was impressed. He was like, hell yeah, because you thought he'd already taken off. And the chief marks each brave soldier with a water sign of of war paint on their forehead. UA looks super crushed. Underneath, you hear the, that, what's the name of that song that's? I think it's the Four Seasons song. You you hear the song that we associate with Iroh because he was the one who was singing it on music night in a past episode. But you do hear it. You hear the, hmm, hmm, Such a melancholy, somber song. That's why I was familiar. Like, I, I remember Iroh singing that. There's a lot of times when you hear people sing. Like, it happens in anime a lot, and it happens on shows a lot. But he sounded so good when he sang it. Like, a lot of times you feel like people are making the song up as they go along. I actually yeah. really dug the song as he was singing it. And I remember him singing that song. I remember him being so nervous to sing that song. Yeah. 
Andrea Romano even brought that up. He was, you know, like a lot of us that aren't like singers, singers, and they're like, they want you to sing in the vocal booth when you're voice acting. You're like, what, 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 what key, what key are we doing this? <laughs> Do I have an accompaniment? It was really <laughs> charming. It sounded like a so, song. Isn't it so charming? There's yeah. a lot of voice Ugh. actors that are really good singers. There just are. There's so many that I've worked with. That thank you. Karaoke thank you, them, please. I, d- like, I couldn't possibly. No, thank you, though. They sing. And then like, hey, can you sing this little part? And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't feel like singing today. Can I get a little time? Can to I wrap it? Prepare, can I wrap this? Yeah. He does a great job. And then you have that moment, right, Sabat, where Aang and, and the chief are kind of looking out. Yeah, they're looking out over the horizon. Aang, at that point, he I guess, vows to make, make a difference this time, which I guess that was in reference to the fact that he wasn't even around when the Fire Nation attacked his people the first time, yeah. right? So as they watch... The, the first ship appears, and then this giant ball of fire just, like, hits the northern water tribe. And, Dante, that is not a great look for no. Fire Nation. Mm-mm. It's not a great look, but I have to admit that that ball did a lot more damage than I thought I was going to do when I was flying over. I was like, I was like wow, we, we really... We're coming in hot. It's hard to see how large of a fireball it is until it hits something and then you have the scope of it. Because it could be like a hand-sized fireball. But no, it is a massive fireball and it does. And it's so sad in that speech, you know, the chief even says that they're battling for their existence. And that is rough. This episode is heavy. Great job, Fire Nation. Great job. And that's why I have to keep reminding myself, like, this show was on Nickelodeon <laughs> with the expert going to watch this. And the, the stakes were high at that point. And I think that's why a lot of people liked Dragon Ball when I was working on it, is that it was not a show that pandered to children necessarily. It just kept stuff the way it was. and it was, it, But it handles it in a way that's not, it's serious, but it wasn't overly scary. But the, yeah. I, the stakes were really high in that moment. I love Well, that. I think we're full on in war now. We've kind of hinted at wars going on and battles and we've had fights, but like the buildup and now the bombs dropping, like these kids are in a war situation. Yeah. So now what? Oppa and Aang just dart off, take off towards the ships. Then Katara, she got hit by the blast, but then she snow bends herself out from under the impact. Oppa and Aang are doing their best they can do to deflect the fireballs. Aang drops down with his glider and lands on the first ship, airbending his little heart out. I and know. then he does some very ingenious stuff to, to the ship by making it destroy itself. And then all of a sudden, this, this very tough-looking dude is coming for him. And I, like, where's this guy? I was like, <laughs> they, th- does every ship have That's a guy a like this on the ship? Because this guy is yeah. tough. He is a thug. He looked like he would be I, a really good WWE wrestler, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> every ship needs a heavy that's uh-huh. just going to come and he has chains. And he, just in case someone jumps on the ship, we need that guy. Right. That's the guy we need. But he's definitely a rough looking dude. And then, of course, Appa, big time Appa, MVP. OP Appa comes in and saves him. He actually grabs him and throws him over the ship. Like, I was like, his, his claw would came like a hand and threw him over. I was like, Appa's a beast. Yeah, he's a beast. Suddenly, a big iceberg spikes up. And through the ship. That's when I was like, why would you attack waterbenders on the ocean in ships, Fire Nation? We, yeah. we, we, we bend fire. Why are we fighting water people in water? Hubris, is- baby. Hubris. So it's the waterbenders. The waterbenders are striking back, as they would. And there's a great shot from far away where you see the ship and the icebergs and just these teeny boats belonging to the water tribe, which really show the scale of the Fire Nation weaponry in comparison. They have just like... yeah. 
There's your answer. There's your answer. That's why they do it on water. Because when you see those little tiny ships in the scope of that huge ship, you're like, oh, it's amazing that they're able to waterbend all those ice spikes up through the ship. But like, that's a bunch. It took a bunch of them. Water tribe. You ought to to build up your your navy a little bit, water tribe. You're the water people. You should have a better navy. How dare you criticize them in their time of strife? We've been spending a lot of years putting, investing a lot of money in our military navy and now it's paying off <sighs> again i cannot believe that you are so proudly owning the fire nation right now as they are as the water tribe is literally battling for their very existence you are dissing their tiny boats i'm not zuko hasn't had his change of heart yet he's still he's still under the <sighs> the guides of the last regime of the fire nation and he's under yeah, yeah. you're right you're right Jao is so confident, though, that, like, are you sure we should take the boats? And he's just like, yes, take the boats. Like, the yeah. guy's just so calm. And I yeah. love his sideburns, by the way. Like, he's got the great sideburns. Jason Isaacs, by the way. Shout out to Jason Isaacs, who's yeah. just, you know. Every time we talk about how much we hate Zhao, that is a compliment to Jason Isaacs' performance. Lest anyone think that we don't appreciate that it takes a very great actor to make you loathe oh some character so much he just does such a fantastic job and Sokka has made a pretty smooth hero guy decision to become part of that elite group that the chief needed and he we find out that they're going to be infiltrating the fire nation that's their plan and their plan is they're going to infiltrate them in disguise. And it seems like they're feeling pretty good about this plan. They've got what turns out to be very antiquated uniforms. And thank goodness that Sokka's there. His way of expressing it is maybe a little cocky because he just starts <laughs> laughing and tells them that those outfits are not going to work. They're not going to pass because these are old uniforms and uh, and there no one is going to buy it everyone in the fire nation is going to know wait a minute who are those guys wearing extremely old uniforms 80 years old and this cocky guy who's the one sort of showing off the uniform that they're all supposedly going to be wearing is you know he's very quick to try to discredit Sokka the chief recognizes that Sokka seems to really know what he's talking about so it turns out Sokka actually is the inside man who's got all of this intel that they can use to fight the fire nation and right around here is also when we find out oh I'm sorry the jerk that was already bumping up against Sokka and trying to make him feel bad is also Han the guy who's going to marry Yue. Han show Sokka your respect I expect nothing less from my future son-in-law. Princess Yue's marrying you? Yeah. What of it? Nothing. Congratulations. They make him sound like such a dude bro, too. He's a bro. He's definitely a bro in a way that makes him quite easy to dismiss. I agree. But he's handsome. (sighs) Yeah, whatever. Sure. Sokka's a total cutie. (laughs) Sure. Oh, no. So back on the Fire Nation ship, Iroh advises Zhao to halt the attack until the next day. He explains the sun's going down and the water tribe gets increased power from the moon. And we, I think you have a moment where you think, oh, OK, this is, you know, now Iroh's got the intel. But Zhao says, So I'm well aware of the moon problem and I am working on a solution. And then he sort of is like, but, you know, I'll throw you a bone. For now, yes, we are going to stop attacking. We're going to go ahead and wait until daybreak. How ominous is that waiting there as a northern water tribe and you just have an armada fleet of 
Fire Nation ships. They stop attacking, but they're just like yeah. looking at you all night yeah. long. Like, hey, we're going to hit you later on. Which is a thing that would happen in real war, right? I mean, things would sort of cease. It was like, everybody was like, okay, guys, it's Christmas Eve. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We'll just go have uh, some Christmas sad moldy bread in our various <laughs> trenches, and then we'll come back. So there is this sort of weird thing that happens with these historic battles. We'll go back to killing each other shortly, but let's yeah. just take yeah. a moment. Some of the best parts Oof. in like cinema and and TV have been like those moments that are like the night before the big battle. So that's a really it's a good use of of that kind of stress. You know, that's a great point. And it does potentially afford the Water Tribe a little bit of time to get something accomplished. We'll find out what that is when we come back, because we have to take our quick battle break for commercials. And we're back. Oh, the calm before the storm, everybody. As everyone has sort of stopped what they're doing temporarily, that sends Aang back to the Water Tribe from his kind of battle post on Appa, right? Right, but he's like he returns there and he's like super, super discouraged at this point. And it's it's so sad. It it doesn't help also that seriously, like Ang has the cutest voice of all time. No. Like he sounds yeah. like shout out to Zach Eisen. Oh my how old was Zach? Zach was it was a very unique thing for Zach because Zach started, I think, when he was around twelve, the same age as Ang. And they, instead of recasting him as he grew up, they just let his voice grow up into Aang. Change, crack, all that kind of stuff. It sounds so good. Anyway, it made it even more depressing because he's super upset. What happened? Must have taken out a dozen Fire Navy ships, but there's just too many of them. I can't fight them all. But you have to. You're the Avatar. I'm just one kid. Ugh. It was legit sad. Like, there's there's something yeah. about when you hear a sound of a le- le- great child actor deliver us a, a line like that, you can hear, like, you could just feel the gravity of it just being him. Like, everyone yeah. kind of looks to him. Imagine all that pressure that you have to have, like, all this expectation on you at that moment, and he's crushed under that pressure. It was so sad. Yeah. So Iroh, around the same time, as he's warning Zuko using some octopus metaphor about a, a net or something like that getting through a small space he was talking about that net barney you know zuko should have got that net reference earlier about yeah everybody always net. catches ang with a net always oh zuko i never had a net no yeah. one told him about that net so nothing but net. net but they're telling him about the net now yeah <laughs> so then he tells zuko ever since i lost my son uncle you don't have to say it. I think of you as my own. I know, Uncle. We'll meet again. After I have the Avatar. It's crazy because you start to get this backstory on Iroh during this episode. And, you know, you want to hear more because you start to understand, like, this heavy heaviness in his past. The, the, the siege on Bossing Say, the loss of his son. And you're like, whoa, this guy is... Again, it's hitting all the feels. And I, I, I almost want to do a series of young Iroh and to see what this guy. Oh, gosh, that would be amazing. I would very much. And like the that. sad thing is, like, Zuko, like, basically any teenager the same age doesn't get any of that. He's yeah. just like, yeah, right, bro. Uh, no time for this stuff. I got to go. Yeah. Octopus? Or is it octopus what? What did you say? <laughs> Whatever. Octopus? Yeah. I, I don't know what you're talking about, but yeah. I need to go. I got a bald kid to catch. So I got a bald kid to catch. Octopus, net, net, octopus. Okay, I got it. Let's go. 
And then yeah. he gets in that little tiny kayak thing as Iroh continues to call advice to him, like, wear, wear your sweater or whatever. It was like, so put cute. your hood on or something. Izuko uh, just does not know what to do when people care about him. He doesn't know how to handle it. He doesn't trust it. He's just, yeah. He's damaged, Barney. He's got damage. He's just shut off from that. Not uncommon, though. Not uncommon at all. Oh, it's so good. Poor Iroh. Meanwhile, back at the Water Tribe, Sokka's sharpening his axe as Han descends to him. He says a bunch of crappy stuff about Yue and then really kind of upsets Sokka and then finishing it off with an insincere no offense. Which, by the way, if you ever want to make anybody mad, say a bunch of rude stuff and then tack on no offense at the end of it because (laughs) it makes everything better, though. Everybody go crazy. Sokka's like, I can't stand it anymore. And then Sokka tackles him all of a sudden. Again, teenage, ain't a lot going on here. They're about to go to war. A lot of pressure. Everybody's feeling it. A lot of things happening. And then the chief has to break them apart. He pulls Sokka off the mission, which is like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then we cut to Zuko paddling past the very boisterous turtle sills as he secretly approaches the wall of the water tribe, creeping through unseen by the sentries. He then follows the turtle sills into a hole in the ice, figuring they must have access inside of the water tribe. And then Katara and Aang and you reflect on the power of the water tribe draws from the moon. Spirits! Maybe I can find them and get their help. How can you do that? The Avatar is the bridge between our world and the spirit world. Aang can talk to them. Maybe they'll give you the wisdom to win this battle. Or maybe they'll unleash a crazy, amazing spirit attack on the Fire Nation. Then Yui gets an idea. She'll take them to the most spiritual place in the North Pole. And they go through this this small door, like this little Narnia door. And all of a sudden, there's this like... Or like a little hobbit, little little hobbit, hobbit door. door. And it reveals this really kind of small, grassy, null area waterfall. A little kind of like almost mirage-ish. It was really beautiful. Yeah. It's just strange place. It's very warm. It also, to be honest, looked like the coolest putt-putt golf course very, ever. Very true. Like, I was like, this would be a great place You're to right. do like a putt-putt. Sorry. You're right. I digress. I mean, it's their spiritual You're place. I don't want right. to hate on it. It's a spiritual place, but it's like, like a secret. That's like your secret spot. That's like, that would be, if that's you had like access to a place Shangri-La. like that. Like, yeah. I have a little place I got to show you. She should have showed Sokka that place. Yeah. Yeah. I just watched Shang-Chi, right? And it was it sort of reminded me of that too, which is sort of Shangri-La. Oh yeah, they had well. that like secret. Like you go through the bamboo forest and then yeah, you end up in that beautiful place. Yeah, I love very, that. very cool. I love that part of it. I was waiting for her to go like, Okay, now come with me through this door. And I was waiting for one of them to go like, this better not smell like eggs in here, all right? Because <laughs> the, the last little the, secret last area that we found door. was stank real bad. <laughs> That's true. They're lucky it turned out to be a much better result behind the door than what Sokka had to deal with when he was at the Northern Air Temple. Sorry. True enough. Yeah, and of course, we know Aang is an airbender, and we've seen in from flashbacks where he grew up and what it was like back then. And so he's like, oh, I didn't realize how much I missed grass. So he's... He's loving this little Eden that's inside the Northern Water Tribe. And Yue is explaining that this is the center of all energy in their land. And, of course, for those of you who are big fans of our very, very special fish that also kind of represent the yin and the yang symbols, we see them for the first time. I will say Momo does seem like he wants to eat them. So I'm super glad that he does not eat those extremely important fish. Don't eat those ones, Mama. Maybe he intuits that that's a no-no, and he can just sort of gaze at them. And then Aang begins to meditate, and we go, again, from this very calm, 
beautiful place where Aang is able to meditate to one of the least meditative sounds in the entire world, seals barking. Very loud, very funny. The turtle seals are making as much noise as the sea lions in San Francisco on the pier. They who cannot stop going. Be quiet. And uh, Zuko emerges. He's, of course, freezing and breathless. He's been swimming in this ice water. He does have enough breath, luckily, to still yell at the turtle seals for being loud <laughs> and potentially drawing <laughs> attention to him. And then he just kind of continues on. The man on a mission, Varney. Man on a mission. Climbing through this sort of tunnel that's inside. It's reaching into the Northern Water Tribe's domain. And then we go over to Sokka, our other brave young man who is sulkily sharpening his boomerang until Chief Hokoda tells him, you know, I, I pulled you off that mission, not maybe for the reason that you thought, which you, you felt maybe like I just didn't believe that you could do it. No, in fact, I pulled you off of this mission because I need you to protect Yue, which is very good news for Sokka. And then we bounce back to Zuko, who is, again, just holding his breath, swimming his little heart out. No one can ever say that Zuko is not a dedicated guy. And then he gets up to the top. He can't get it's frozen over. So on top of everything else, he now has to kind of create this sort of heat fire in his fists that will enable him to melt his way through that ice, but still kind of be quiet about it. And finally, he's in. And so we know, okay, well, that's probably not great for the Water Tribe because Zuko is now officially in quietly unnoticed inside the Northern Water Tribe's walls. And and then we go to see where Aang has been meditating. The girls are kind of whispering where they're doing that thing where they think that they're whispering quiet enough that they're not distracting him, but it's extremely distracting. So he's whispering and he's trying to focus and he actually ends up kind of focusing in on the fish and they're rotating together around and around and as they do they hypnotically become more and more like what we think of the, the yin and the yang symbol and with that we see ang enters into the avatar state and there is one warning that katara issues unknowingly that you know he's going to be fine as long as we don't move his body that's his way back to the physical world. World, 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 world. I just want to add a little emphasis to that by doing some echoing, some hard <laughs> echoing. And But guess I do what? like it at, he... at that moment, though, where she's like, Yeah. Everything's going to be fine as long as we don't move him. I can take care of him. I don't need your help, UA. Yeah. As long as we don't move him, everything's cool. What's the worst that could happen? Who's going to come in here and move him? Like, and as if on cue... Here's Zuko. Yeah. How y'all doing? How y'all? What y'all girls up to? I believe his exact words are, and not at all (laughs) creepy. Well, aren't you a big girl now? Leading to them facing off, and he notices that she has learned a few things. He has to acknowledge since the last time he saw her, she creates what almost looks like a knot of water that then freezes around Zuko. She's looking very, very fierce. He is, I guess, intimidated enough that all he can come up with is that he calls her a peasant, which we've heard him yeah, use well, that he, before. Yeah, well, he says that great line that he says, oh, I've seen you found a master peasant. Like, yeah. he's he peasant. notices that she is uh, leveled up. Yeah, but he can't just let it be a compliment. He has to toss something. All right, in. I got masters too, mm-hmm. Qatar, just to let you know. He might as well have said, I see you found your master peasant. No offense. No offense. <laughs> he might as well just tack no offense on at the end of it. Unnecessary. He did not need to call her a peasant. But you know what? She freezes him in place. Let's not He was in a different place. He was in a frozen place, unable to move, because she she put him there. She yeah, froze him happened. there. That happened. That happened. Unfortunately, 
It's almost the end of night. What are we looking at, Sabbath? Sure, the sun comes up, and Zuko gives a very Uncle Iroh dragony puff of angry steam and melts the ice. Mm-hmm. And then he says, You rise with the moon. I rise with the sun. Dude, that's a cool line, though. Yeah. He was practicing that line with underwater. <laughs> to himself. Like, as yeah. when I rise with the sun. Like, I mean, you, she's going to all say, You get so up many. Moon. I rise with the sun. <laughs> Don't forget it. Like, if it were me, I probably would have messed it up. You rise yeah. with the sun. Wait, no, hold on. The moon, go back to the beat. You rise. Wait. You rise with the yeah. moon, and I rise That's with right. the sun. That's right. You would. But he then he's so holding. He's, he nails it. And he's, he's holding, holding Aang. Aang. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's bad news because, you know, as long as he's not moved, he's fine, right? Um, yeah. But he's holding him. And the, the boats at that time are, like, piercing the walls of the city. And Zhao's smug as usual. Katara comes, too, and she realizes what's happening. Sokka, of course, arrives too late. Where the heck are they? Zuko's carrying Aang across the snow, away from the city. The snow fills the screen. And it's the end of the first half of the two-parter. So stressful. Boom. Yeah. So stressful. Guess who caught the Avatar? Guess. I mean, Zuko? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Do we get it right? You've you've seen the episode, so you know. Finally. All right. He's carrying him away, too, like, as if he's, it's almost like a King Kong moment or something. He's carrying he know what poor he's little limp avatar state, like, meditating no in the spirit world, Aang. He's got this little baby body that he's just tromping through the snow. I mean, that is, that's rough. And buddy. no fanfare. Where's the parade? I got him. Yeah. Nobody? No fireworks? Crunching nothing? Crunching through the snow. No applause? Taking him who knows where. It was like a western, though, like where he had, like where they had in the westerns, where they flop their the bad guy over the back of the horse while they're still yeah, riding right. or whatever. It just that's a good. It was like it was a very comparison. cool looking scene, though. I love the camera yeah. angle. It was kind of Great. this cool low camera angle, and it's yeah. funny you mentioned the snow because I actually thought it was the. I, I don't know why I'm an idiot. I thought it was another reference to the ashes again. The ashes resonated with you because it's a very foreboding, scary image. So you flashed back to it. I don't blame you in the least. But let's get to something a little more upbeat, which is our Animal Crossing section. I mean, I don't think we've seen everybody that we've seen before animal-wise, except, I think, the turtle seals and the fish. Obviously, the fish we're seeing for the first time. They're just fish. Those fish are just regular fish. And then we got our turtle seals, which I remember Steve Bloom being at a Hawaii Comic-Con and doing some snorkeling and running into Steve Bloom, the warmest, most wonderful human on the planet, even though he's so scary when he plays Amon in Korra. But he ended up making friends with a sea turtle when he would go snorkeling in the same spot every day. And he and the sea turtle would sort of swim through the water together. It was about the cutest thing I've ever heard. Steve's doing that? Steve yeah, Bloom Steve is doing Bloom. that? Oh, yeah. He's like, ugh. I wish he, he, I feel like he could teach me to waterbend is basically what I'm trying to say. So he's amazing. One of the and best human beings. Seriously. One of the I best mean, human beings. The whole time so, the turtle was basically going, hey, can you do a line from like Cowboy Bebop for me? That's like, right. <laughs> that's right. Even the turtle was a huge fan. And so I'm imagining these turtle seals swimming around and it's, it's conceivable Again, very loud, and I really appreciated the sound, and I realize now that they really did sound like actual seals, but I'm sure that was just D Bradley Baker. So shout out to D forevermore, amen. So we've got our turtle seals for our Animal Crossing. Let's talk about what we think is the most 
valuable bending moment mm. of the episode. Sometimes Most this can be controversial because sometimes we say valuable and it ends up going to a quote-unquote villain. Maybe that'll happen here. I don't know. Battling for their very existence, just saying. But that's cool. Whatever. I can think of one. The episode would have gone very differently had not Zuko been able to summon the little fireballs underwater. Because he would have run mm-hmm. out of breath otherwise. I like, like that. The, I was like, yeah. that was pretty, that was pretty daring. It almost point. looked like he wasn't sure what he was going to do when he and got it. And his uncle warned him, so you're going to need your firebending if you're going to be doing this to stay, I mean, yeah. I, uh, to stay warm or doing whatever he's on this mission. And he, his firebending came in very handy. It was a reminder yeah. of how hot that had to be. Because it had to be hot enough to not only ignite underwater, but to also melt ice, which was impressive. Yeah. To me. Who knew we can firebend underwater? Who it's knew? A great- it's a great moment. Am I willing to give it up as most valuable? I mean, I listen, Katara has gotten amazing at waterbending, but no offense to Katara. She doesn't keep him safe, right? So she does a, real, a lot of really great, amazing stuff, but it's true that she doesn't was Yue helping prevent out the at thing all? she was, was out at all during the I mean, situation. I mean, I think it was I think it was Katara's fight in that in that situation. Yeah, I mean, I I I think you're right. It's a critical critical moment. That Zuko has to summon up that power. I guess I'm willing to say that that's the most valuable bending. But friends, I guarantee you on social media, you will have some other options. So sure. share with us. Let us know what you think the most valuable bending moment is in this episode. Let's talk about the most valuable non-bending moment. The most valuable non-bending moment. I want to go with the, the chief because it was such a powerful scene mm, when he was his getting speech. them all prepared for that speech. Yeah. The, I mean, to me, that was the most impactful non-bending yeah. moment as as an audience member watching it. First of all, you're not wrong. Second of all, I'm going to go ahead and tie what I think might be the most valuable non-bending moment to the most valuable bending moment, which is Iroh tenderly loving his nephew like a son and telling him he believes in him and Pretty telling good. him he's worried about him and telling him he's going to need to use his firebending and giving him all that fatherly advice because whether Zuko acknowledges it or not or is even willing to acknowledge it to himself, his uncle's love for him propels him forward just as much, I think, as his need to capture the Avatar. I just don't think Zuko can see that. But I think when you have that one person who believes in you and cares what happens to you, sometimes that's the place that you summon that that power in your fists to melt that water so you don't drown. I like that. That's very special. You know, you know, it would have been the most valuable non-bending moment with Yue showing them this whole spiritual land to summon the spirit world had it had worked. It could still. It's a two-parter for a reason. So we're going to find out where it takes us the next time we watch and review and discuss. Okay, I can't believe this has happened, but we have run out of time. Sabbath, will you please come back again so that we can dig into what kind of bender you would be and all that great stuff? For now, I think we're just going to go ahead and have to thank our friend who brought many insights and laughs to this recap. May I call you All Might? And who is that? All Might is hard to (laughs) take out of context. (laughs) It feels weird to call you All Might, but it doesn't feel weird to call Dante Zuko, if you know what I mean. All Might is not quite as much of a pronoun as we're used to, like an actual or like proper name. Do people call you Vegeta? Are they like, Vegeta? There are a lot. Yeah, that's... Those are usually um, when people go like, hey, Vegeta, that's usually when I just kind of crawl into myself a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's I appreciate that people associate the character with me, but it's always the weirdest because when you <laughs> referred like 
when people refer yeah. to you as your character's name, it's super uncomfortable for me sometimes. It's like you're also I mean, you're not the person necessarily seeking attention in a room, even though you're such an amazing actor and performer. You're also you wear a lot of different hats figuratively and literally. Mm. Yeah, and right. uh, but you're just not the person who's going to like walk into a room and hope someone knows when they hear your voice that you're Vegeta. The, the only thing I've had to embrace about it is that because I'm never the type to actually mention that I even work on the show. But when I know that it means something to somebody, yes, I will indeed. bring it up. Like, yes. if that's when I, I was like, you know what? It would be a shame not to mention this to them because it's clear that they love this so much. Like, if I walk in and the, the person's wearing, like, a Vegeta shirt or something and, it's, and they have, like, Dragon Ball tattoos on their arm, that's when I feel like I should say something. You and know, do but, you go, is that a person you would go up to and just say something in Vegeta's voice? Or would you, how would you approach that? Okay, there are t- several ways. If I'm in conversation with them, if I'm interacting with them, I might say, do you like, I see you're a fan of Dragon Ball. Like, you might find this hard to believe, but I actually am the voice of Vegeta. Now, there are cases, especially with All Might or Vegeta, when somebody's passing me, yeah. I do like to actually just shout something <laughs> to them in the voice as I pass and pretend right. like it wasn't me. Like, like <laughs> Whenever I see like an uh, All Might cosplayer or something like that, like it was the last convention I was at, I was in the car on the way to the convention, and I saw an All Might cosplayer, so I rolled down the window. I'm like, I am here, and I watched them turn around. And funny enough, I saw them, and I'm like, Hey, I think I saw you this morning. They like they said, Did you yell at us from a car? (laughs) Yeah, I did. I did. But yeah, it's a it's a gift. Like it's a cool gift we're given to be able to play characters like these and. And be able to like be 100%. able to make someone's day by just telling them that we were associated with something that they love so much. Sabat, thank you so much Thanks. for doing this episode with us. We know uh, that people should. I mean, listen. If they're listening to this, they probably already are very much in love with My Hero Academia. We've talked about Dragon Ball Z. Is there anything else that you want to make people aware of? Follow you on social media? Anything like you could? I mean, you could follow me at just Chris Sabat on Twitter or. Christopher Sabat on Insta. There's something I'm kind of excited about. In I'm one of the player voices in Gearbox's upcoming title. It's called uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, and it stars Andy Samberg, Wanda Sykes, wow. and Will Arnett. That's wow. awesome. And I I have it is so cool to be credited on the same game that they're on because they're yeah. three like of just the all time greats. Like they're so amazing. They're lucky to be credited with you too. I that's mm. this that's very exciting. That's a great group right there. So I'm very excited. That game's not out yet. I don't know. They they announced another season of My Hero Academia season six is you know is being produced. And I, I want to shout out to a little like there's a company I work with. They're called Planet Hat Games. They make amazing games. They're these really rich kind of story-driven games. And I was, they released a game during the pandemic, which was tricky, called Forgotten Waters. And mm. it's a, it's like an RPG pirate game. And it's Ooh. a very, it's one of the first board games to actually have a full audio soundtrack to it with full wow. voices in it. And it's a, it's kind of a How choose cool. your own adventure style thing. And I'm the narrator yeah. in it. And it's That's such great. a fun game. I would highly recommend you check that out too. Oh my gosh. I love it. All right. Uh, all right. I guess that's it. And next week, we'll be back with Hector Navarro in a special recap Ganza episode where we'll be recapping our recaps. Is that too meta yet? Follow us on social media. I'm at Janet Varney on Twitter, at the JV Club on Instagram. You are at Dante Bosco basically everywhere. Everywhere. Right? Except for on TikTok at Dante. And we'll see everybody next Tuesday. And make sure to rate and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It really helps people find a podcast. So thank you, friends. <laughs>